I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Thank you for joining us again this week on the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I am so honored to have Tim Siegel with us this week. Tim is a former top junior player, a former top collegiate player, a former top professional player, and he transitioned into college coaching after retiring from the Pro Tour and spent over 20 years in the coaching arena. He decided to retire a couple years ago, and no sooner had he retired than he got a horrible, a horrible phone call, one that all of us as parents hope we never, ever get. And Tim is here this week to talk about what is going on in his family, to share the story of his son Luke and Luke's fight. And I'm just so privileged to have him on the show and to get to really get a little deeper into their story and how Tim and his wife Jenny and their three daughters have rallied around Luke to make the best of what is certainly the most horrible situation any of us could ever imagine. So when we come back, this week's show with Tim Siegel. Don't miss a thing on Parenting Aces. Be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter so you're among the first to know when a new article is posted. Simply go to ParentingAces.com and enter your email address, then click subscribe in the subscribe for updates box on the left side of the page. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to the Parenting Aces podcast. I am coming at you live from Atlanta, and I apologize for the nasally voice this week. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with springtime here in Atlanta. The pollen and I do not get along. The pollen is winning right now, but I am fighting mightily to overcome it. But that said, um, I am really hoping that this week's guest, Tim Siegel, will do most of the talking today because he has an amazing story to share. Tim, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm really looking forward to hearing you share your son Luke's story. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. So before we jump into Luke and your work with his foundation now, I would like for you to give our listeners a little bit of background on you and your life in tennis and, you know, how you got to the place you are today. Well, I grew up in New Orleans and played uh, junior tennis. Uh, I started playing nationals really age 11, was fortunate enough to have had a pretty good ranking uh, in Louisiana in the South, and, and uh, I think I was top five in the nation in the, in the 12 and unders, and, and Pat Harrison and I uh, played doubles and were ranked number one in the nation. Uh, so we had some success early and enjoyed playing competitively uh, in the juniors. I really focused more on doubles than, than I did in singles. Then I went to the University of Arkansas, where our teams were in the top 10. I was blessed to be with a couple of great coaches and, and some great teammates, graduated from Arkansas in 1986 and then went to play professionally for three years where I was um, very, very fortunate to have traveled the world, played all the Grand Slams, uh, made it to, I think, the third round of the Australian Open and the U.S. Open in doubles and uh, second round of uh, the U.S. And, and the French, excuse me, and uh, the Australian. But I played all four and, and enjoyed the three 
the three years on tour immensely. I was able to play against John McEnroe, Stefan Edberg, and practiced with all kinds of players from from Agassi, Sampras, to all of them, and, and really enjoyed my time on the tour. I enjoyed the travel. Uh, it taught me a lot about life, uh, but I always knew I wanted to be a college coach, even while I was playing on the tour, and and uh, remembered my first minute on campus at Arkansas. I knew that coaching was, was in my blood. Uh, it was, was uh, blessed to have been the captain at Arkansas for three years, so I really focused on that aspect, trying to lead uh, as much as I could, and um, after the professional tour, uh, coached tennis at the um, Indianapolis Racquet Club in Indianapolis for just w- really six months. And I got a phone call from Dennis Ralston, uh, who was at SMU, and began my college coaching career at SMU for two years. And then I, I was at Texas Tech uh, for 23 years, coaching uh, an incredible university, great people, great community, uh, really uh, so proud of the things that we did at Texas Tech. Uh, and I really had an amazing job and loved every bit of coaching. It was in my blood. It was my passion. Uh, you know, very blessed to have so many great players. We had, uh, I think, maybe seven or eight teams in the top 25. Two of our doubles teams made it to the finals of the NCAAs. But I always felt that something was missing. And I wanted to impact more than just the 10 players every year and was able to um, come to a decision, uh, despite the fact that there was going to be the best team I'd ever had at Tech, uh, to leave college coaching and be a middle school and high school coach primarily so I could spend more time with my children. I have four children, and, and um, unfortunately, 20 days after my decision to leave Texas Tech, Luke had his accident. Yeah, I mean, your world was just completely rocked on July 28th of 2015. And for my listeners that are not familiar with your story and Luke's story, um, I, I assume you're comfortable talking about what happened. Um, I know that you go around the country lecturing now, and uh, maybe you could fill our listeners in on what happened on that awful, awful day. At 2 p.m. on July 28th, I received a phone call that Luke had been in an accident, and it took a couple of minutes before I realized he wasn't joking. I arrived at the scene, and the ambulance was just taking off while the helicopter was hovering above. Immediately went to the hospital. Luke had um, been on a friend's golf cart. Uh, We didn't know that this family even owned it. I didn't know that. And when we got to the hospital... Uh, we were told that Luke was in cardiac arrest. Didn't know it till later that he was actually in cardiac arrest for seven minutes. The first three days were touch and go. Luke had suffered head and chest trauma. This nearly a thousand pound um, golf cart landed on top of Luke's chest. And so the first three days were very difficult. We did not know until week one. After the first week, Luke had three consecutive brain surgeries all within a few hours. And the doctor at that time did not even know if Luke uh, was brain dead. The next day, we were uh, asked if Luke loved music. And outside of sports, music is, a, is, is Luke's love. And so the doctor started to play the ukulele. And at that time, we saw brain activity. That was the first time, one week after the accident. We spent 44 days in Lubbock before... Um, being transferred to Cook Children's in Fort Worth. Uh, we were there for four months, 
And at that time, the, the, the goal, the, the, we had hoped that Luke going to a rehab hospital would be able to do quite a bit of rehab and improve. Unfortunately, Luke had very high uh, blood pressure and heart rate and brain pressure. So we didn't really accomplish very much there. Uh, it was an amazing hospital with the great people. We learned a lot, and, and he did definitely progress. But the day that I'll never forget was September 15th, just five days after we arrived at the hospital in a room full of therapists and nurses, the neurologist said to Jenny and me that based on the MRI, Luke should never use his voice or use his limbs. And as everyone departed the room, I'm, I'm there with my wife, emotional, thinking this can't be. It was almost like it was a, a nightmare in, in, in a movie. Uh, but then just before Thanksgiving, we were also told at that time that because Luke had not made any progress, we need to plan to, to head home. Well, five days before Thanksgiving, the first time we had heard any sounds out of Luke, and then shortly after started to move his limbs a little bit. So uh, it was, and still to this day, of course, is incredibly um, just devastating for all of us. But on January 6th of last year, we came back home, and so for the last, I guess, 17 months, we have spent um, basically five days a week doing rehab, doing therapy, uh, from speech to OT to PT, and um, it is our hope and prayer that, that Luke will continue to improve because he is doing things that nobody ever expected. And how old was Luke when the accident happened? Luke was nine years old. Uh, Luke is now 11. Uh, but Luke was nine years old on this golf cart. Uh, Luke's birthday was April 18th, just a couple of, or just a month ago. And, you know, what he has done recently, uh, his improvements have come primarily in swallowing some frozen lemonade. He has responded to uh, some commands um, using his his limbs, um, can, can maybe move his foot a couple of inches. But the most important thing for me is that he can respond to a command. And if he can respond to one or two commands, I have all the faith in the world that he'll, he'll continue to, to respond. Right now, our form of communication is simply I ask him to blink twice if yes to a, to a question. And he does that most of the time. I also ask him to move his tongue if, if for example, um, he's, he's a huge, huge, huge sports fan. And um, I play... Drew Brees video or the New Orleans Saints videos, and I'll ask him, do you want to keep playing that? And, and occasionally I'll get him to move his tongue. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, for those who have been to any college tennis matches this year, you may have seen the teams wearing the Team Luke t-shirt. And I, I'd love to hear you, Tim, talk a little bit about your involvement with the college tennis community and the coaches and how that kind of spurred you um, on with your foundation, the Team Luke Foundation. Well, it started, I guess going back in time, I, I, by being in college coaching for 23 years, you know, I, I know everyone in, in coaching, and, and men's and women's side, and, you know, really enjoy the camaraderie among the coaches. And so when this 
when this happened, it took me many, many months to begin to get my life back. And one of the ways, well, really simply put, the only way I could do this was to form a foundation. And this Team Luke Foundation, is its mission is to help other families with children who have suffered a traumatic brain injury or an anoxic injury. Luke's injury was anoxic, which means he lost oxygen. We were told the equivalent of being underwater for 25 minutes. So his injury is much more difficult to overcome. But I knew that in order for me to make a difference and really to survive, I needed to form this foundation, which I did at the end of January. And when that happened, I said to myself, okay, I've got to get the word out. I remember coaching at Tech, My, besides being a coach, I also felt my responsibility was to be a promoter. Uh, we, I was very proud of the fact that we had great teams, but probably equally as proud to have great crowds. My last year, uh, we, we averaged, uh, I, I know that we averaged over 1,000 fans, and we were number two in the country in attendance. So I love seeing Tech Tennis t-shirts all over town. So I felt the same need to do that here in a much different level because ultimately this foundation needs to raise dollars to help families. And so there's a number of different ways I'm doing that, but one of them simply is to um, have Team Luke gear. We have t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, bracelets, car decals. We have it all. And so what I did is I contacted a few college coaches initially, and it's just taken off. We've had, I would say, 40 or 50 teams. Matter of fact, the University of Denver, who is playing the NCAAs here uh, against USC tomorrow at Texas Tech, came by to see Luke, and they bought uh, Team Luke shirts, and they're going to wear them uh, in practice today. So it's, it, it warms my heart to see all the college coaches uh, band together uh, with their either with their bracelets or with uh, T-shirts and to see Team Luke, uh, it, it is special for me, and um, and I'm I'm far from from being done with that because ultimately, in order to get the word out, we want to get this story out nationally, and I have talked to a, a lot of friends of mine in the tennis industry as well as other sports, and and when you have people like Dick Vitale and Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Drew Brees, Elvis Andrews, Jim Kelly. Uh, Dr. Phil, the, the list goes on and on. Those people that have reached out and sent videos to Luke uh, have meant the world to us. And uh, ultimately, um, if we get this story out nationally, um, then, then I think that's going to help the foundation and, and I believe will also help Luke. Our mutual friend, Tony Menace, is the first person that brought your story to my attention. And I know Tony's done a documentary on your story. You want to talk about making that film and what that is going to be able to do for your foundation? Well, it's going to be out in Fo- on Fox and a number of different local stations within a couple of weeks. Tony's a longtime friend, grew up in, in Louisiana with me, and, and he had done a story on Texas Tech Tennis a few years ago. So he approached me about doing a documentary, and and so he followed us in L.A. when we had a uh, foundation fundraiser and then in my hometown of New Orleans where I grew up. And so this completed project, I hope, will reach a lot of people. And it's a such an incredibly well-done um, story and really covers Luke's progress. It talks a lot about uh, different professional tennis players. Uh, the tennis 
community is a strong family. I'm 53 years old, and I hadn't seen some of these friends of mine in New Orleans or former professional tennis playing peers in probably 25 years or more. And they've all really rallied around and, and supported us. And uh, it has been, you know, it's hard for me to describe, to put into words, the support that we've received nationally, worldwide, and particularly here in Lubbock. Uh, they talk about Lubbock being a really com- a, the friendliest city in the country, but it's also the most compassionate. I don't think I can go anywhere in town without someone coming up to me and telling me how much Luke has made a difference in their life or in their son's life or daughter's life or the way they parent and that he's inspired so many people because what's happened is they've seen these videos and they've seen Luke's progress, but they see the fight in Luke. And there's two reasons I believe that Luke is progressing. And one is that Luke was an incredible athlete slash competitor. He loved to practice at age seven and eight. He was one of those kids that would want to keep throwing the ball. We threw that ball, football or baseball, every single day. He loved sports uh, like only I could love sports. And it was a bond that we had. And from the New Orleans Saints, where we went to a game every year, to the Texas Rangers, or just to simply follow sports on TV. It's the very last thing I ever did with Luke was watch a Rangers-Yankee game on TV, and we talked about it. So it's it's different now where I... I turn the volume down and I commentate to Luke what's going on or I watch the, the games without volume because it's hard for me uh, because it's not the same. I don't get the feedback from Luke, but I still talk to Luke as if he completely understands. So, you know, it is, it is something that, you know, the bond that Luke and I had as a father and son is one thing, but that special bond of sports was something else. But Luke was a competitor. He loved to practice. He loved to compete. He was the second baseman on his baseball team and quarterback on his little football team. And that's one reason why I think he's, he's competing so hard and fighting so hard. The second are people like you, Lisa, and everyone out there uh, that are praying and supporting us and following our story. I don't know if I could survive without my faith. I don't know that I could survive without everyone's prayers. Well, you certainly are getting an incredible outpouring of love and support um, from the sports community, but from from the community at large, I mean, outside of sports. And I follow the story on your Facebook page. It's Pray for Luke Siegel on Facebook for those of my listeners that would like to follow Luke's story. Tim, you post these videos, and some of them are – incredibly uh, inspirational others are incredibly heartbreaking and I think as a parent you know to to watch this and think you know there but for the grace of God I mean what you guys are going through as a family is so trying and your positivity through all of this has has been amazing I I just wonder how you are able to find that strength day after day after day. Well, that's a tough, tough one to answer because sometimes I don't know that I have the strength. But when I look at Luke, that's where I gain my strength. When I was in my darkest time a few months back, I believe it was August of last year, I was driving around the town 
ended up um, at a grocery store and someone came up to me and said, hey, I'm praying for you one foot in front of the other. And that's become my motto um, because we all take for granted that we can put one foot in front of the other. We know that there's a very strong chance that Luke will never be able to do that, but we hold on to that. And then the fact that I struggle so much sometimes to get out of bed. I sleep next to Luke four nights a week. We have a night nurse three nights. So four nights I sleep next to Luke, wake up and turn him every three hours. And there are nights that I simply struggle to get out of bed. Um, But what I do know is that, you know, I have an obligation in my mind now to help Luke, to coach Luke. I don't coach anymore, but I coach a different team, and that's Team Luke. And so in order for me to help families and to help Luke, I've got to have the attitude that I had in life before. Uh, I'm trying to be or trying to get closer to be the person that I used to be full of life and, and love being around my family. But that's, that's sorry about that. Difficult. Uh, sorry. That, my Sully is um, commenting here. Sorry about that. That's all right. I, I feel that for me, it is almost my calling now. It is my passion. It is my, uh, I feel like that God has led me to, to do this. And so this, this, um, attitude that I have, it can change minute by minute. And that's probably the most difficult thing in my life now, other than just seeing Luke the way he is. And that is that I can't control sometimes my emotions from minute to minute or red light to red light or because there are so many things that trigger um, my emotions from seeing a father and a son together, uh, seeing a baseball field, uh, watching a ball game on TV, seeing Luke's friends. Those are all very difficult. We're coming up on 23 months, and yet sometimes it feels like 23 seconds that it's happened. Um, but I only have one, one way to go, and that's to go up with Luke. Um, I am at every therapy session that I can possibly be because I love to coach, I love to parent, and I love to be around him. But I also have an incredible responsibility to be the best father that I can be to my other three children. I have a 25-year-old daughter, Alex who is a nurse, who takes care of Luke in the morning, who actually also is due in November with, with their first son, uh, first child. So I'll be a grandfather in November. And then I have a 14-year-old daughter, Kate, and a 12-year-old daughter, Ellie. And I have to do the best that I can with those three girls as well as being the best husband that I can be to my wife. And that's, listen, without an injury, that's a difficult task. But with sure. this devastating injury that my son will never be able to play sports again, will never be able to have the life that he had before, I can do one of two things. I can just crawl up in a hole or I can make a difference in other people's lives at the same time helping our own family. Um, this is easily the, the, the choice that I've made. Can you talk a little bit about your family dynamic and how that has changed. I mean, obviously it's changed in ways that most of us cannot even imagine, but your wife, Jenny, your kids, I I mean, they still need you. They need your time. They need your energy. And how do you balance that? How do you and Jenny balance that as a couple? Um, How do you balance it as parents to your other children? And now, 
I mean, I had no idea about your your grandchild. That's such awesome news. And you know, how how will that that grandson fit into the picture, and how will you balance all of those things? You know, the best way to answer that is there's no blueprint for any of this, and we just simply, as I said earlier, one foot in front of the other, and it's really one day at a time. My wife and I, you know, we are in some ways just roommates because she may take the girls um, to their sporting events. Kate plays basketball. Ellie's a competitive cheerleader. For example, my daughter Ellie will be going with my wife to Orlando today to compete, so I'll be with Luke for the next four days. Um, we just, we just simply do it. And, um, my daughters, if there is a silver lining, they have both learned compassion. They have both learned patience. They have both learned that their communication now is different with their brother who they love dearly before the accident. They talk to Luke every day, but it is so different. And, one of the terms that I absolutely despise is the new normal because there's nothing normal about this. And what, what, what my struggle sometimes is that even when I was a college coach, I didn't live on a lot of sleep. I was very intense and very emotional and, and just didn't, didn't have to have a lot of sleep. Well, for the last 23 months, I haven't slept much. And I probably average anywhere between three, four or five hours a night of sleep and, and I know that's going to catch up to me. And, I, and the one thing I hear time and time and time again is I've got to take care of myself in order to take care of Luke. And that's very easy to say, but sometimes I'm just too exhausted to do anything uh, physically. Um, but each and every day I wake up with, okay, here we go. And maybe, just maybe, today is the day that we'll get something new out of Luke. And yesterday afternoon... Luke, I took Luke to therapy, and Luke deals with a lot of agitation, a lot of tone, where his body basically will lock up. His legs are tight. His arms are tight. Uh, and I try to stretch him out and calm him down. And we give him meds three times a day. We give him feed through the feeding tube three times a day. But in between that, we have therapy. And yesterday, Luke was beginning to throw up. He was dry heaving. And we had to wait because there was mucus and, and that's what it was. And we just have to try to get a cough out of him. And you just never know. Well, after that, he then proceeded to do something that he had not done before, where the therapist held his left hand up. And then I held his right hand and asked him to push his right hand downward. And he did that. And, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And sometimes it only happens when the tone is just high enough but not too high where he's agitated and not too low where he's just sort of loose and, and just there. So there, there is such a fine line. We believe we understand when Luke is trying to talk to us, when Luke is agitated, and when Luke is hurting. Last week, we didn't know if Luke was hurting, but we knew he had fever. We took him to the doctor, and we found out that he had a right ear infection and his left big toe, ingrown toenail, is infected. Um, this is just one of many challenges for us because we'll never, we never know what's wrong. Last November, we went to Fort Worth where we spent some time with Bruce Conti and his, his incredible um, facility where they have local mats, which are treadmills that, that basically do the work for you. We practiced 
uh, one day and Luke enjoyed it. And then we took him back and we were going to spend three days a week, every week for a year. Uh, November 7th, I believe was the first day, 10 minutes into being on the local mat, Luke cried out and this was in Fort Worth with my wife and she took him back to the hotel. He was still crying. The next day took him to a clinic where we thought he might have an earache. No problem. Then went back to therapy where the therapist realized his knee had swollen. Took him to the hospital and they told us Luke had a broken femur. So 30 hours after Luke had dealt with a broken femur with no medication. Um, this is the kind of struggle that we that we face every single day. And, you know, I live with pain. Um, I'm working on anger, trying to do the best I can to eliminate being so angry at uh, how and why this could happen. Um, I don't understand. I'll never understand why parents allow nine-year-olds, any young children on a golf cart without adult supervision. Um, I feel it's my obligation also to talk about golf cart safety because we know that uh, if you don't own a golf cart, one of your friends do, and uh, it's incredibly dangerous. That's number one. Number two, you know, it's it's crucial that I move on and eliminate anger and also focus on the fact that Luke is making progress, and although it's not what I had hoped, Luke is impacting lives in a way that no one ever could have imagined, and you know, to see the people that are following us on Instagram and Facebook, uh, it is, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, when we have a video on Facebook and it's been viewed 50, 60,000 times and it reached a quarter of a million people, you really can't fathom that. Uh, and so when I see that, I realize 100% I have got to get out there and continue to write my posts and hopefully to help people and touch people's lives and and, um, then I feel like I've accomplished something and it helps me move forward. Yeah, I can can understand that you have to find comfort and find some sort of joy in the little things. And I think that's a great lesson for all of us, you know. Um, Again, I mean, I don't, I think the majority of us really cannot fathom what you're going through, but Certainly, as parents, we all face challenges, and learning to appreciate the the small accomplishments is a great lesson to learn at any stage of life. Right, and you know, he's talking about parents. You know, we I see all the parents, from tennis parents, of course, to baseball and football and cheerleading, and parents have a tendency uh, in every sport to either live vicariously through their children or to push their children in a way that absolutely hurts their child. My parents were the perfect tennis parents. They watched me practice a number of times that I could almost put on one, two hands. They were there at some lessons, but they said, okay, you go out and you practice. And they would talk to the coach, but they wouldn't coach me. And and I think that what I'm experiencing is also part of what I learned as a son who played competitive tennis and also a parent who has children to compete. I watch my daughter compete in basketball and I don't yell and scream while she's playing her game. When we sit down an hour after the game, we discuss the game. Well, it's the same thing here with Luke. I don't every second feel like something great has got to happen. I got to make it happen. 
I'll sit back and take a take a, a deep breath and realize that this is this is a marathon. It's not a sprint, and we're going to have pretty good days followed by um, agonizingly painful setbacks to nothing going on for a week or two. And I've got to realize that it, it takes time. The brain is something that no one really understands. Um, when you have a doctor tell me that he will never do blank and blank, but he's doing it, um, it's based on an MRI. And you don't base anything on MRI. You base it on a patient. It's the same thing in sports. Luke had a heart. Luke had, Luke had a gift. He, under, he had an IQ that was above most kids. He wasn't the greatest athlete, but he had a very strong IQ, understood the game, but he had a tremendous work ethic. And I think those two things are what's far more important than talent when it comes to sports. But certainly in this case, I don't think Luke would, would make progress without the love of his family, without the support of many, but also without the fight that he has. And so there's lessons in this that I think can also translate to parenting. You know, I was a tennis coach, but that's what I did. That wasn't who I was. Who I am and who I was is a father of four. And, um, you know, I had decided to resign from Texas Tech to spend more time with my children, to not travel as much, and left, it, left the greatest job in the world to make half the money, but I wouldn't be traveling, and I'd be able to see every one of my children's sporting events and be there for them all the time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm not with my girls as much as I had hoped because of this injury, but uh, I'm not going to let this define me as a parent. I'm going to make darn sure that I improve um, how I deal with my children, with my girls, because I know there are days that I've let them down because I'm with Luke. Uh, so I've got to, I guess I always thought of myself as a father. Now I've got to really prove it that uh, um, I can handle this each and every day because there are moments that I, that I question uh, if I can keep going. But all I need to do is look at Luke and know that I can. What lessons are you hoping that your daughters are learning throughout this horrific process that y'all are going through as a family? I think a couple of things. One is to not take anything for granted. I spoke yesterday to two schools, uh, or excuse me, one school and one youth group, and I mentioned two things to them. One is don't take anything for granted, anything for granted. Lean on your friends, your family, but don't take anything for granted. And, and I think that that's one thing. And the other thing is, is to learn compassion. Now when my daughter sees someone in a wheelchair, she thinks about that person. She never would have maybe beforehand. When she sees someone with, with a disability, she might have walked right past that person. Now I can see that it touches her. So the fact that my son is in a special needs class still is hard for me to fathom, but that's where he is. And um, so there's a, there's a number of things. I, I speak to a lot of youth. I have probably spoken to thousands of kids over the last... I don't know, eight, my eight, nine months. And I have a message and I came up with this message in August because uh, I wanted to be able to impact children, college teams. I've spoken to almost every team at Texas Tech. I've spoken to college teams when they come visit. I've spoken to uh, adults at churches. And my message is simply this, that there are five things that impacted or that have affected me. And 
Number one is to find your passion. Um, every child, everyone needs a passion. And don't let anybody tell you that you can't have that passion. Um, I always felt that my tennis players were going to be successful if they were passionate about something other than just tennis. And if I saw someone who just wasn't passionate about school or their family or sports in general, it was going to be a difficult road for me to get them to be the best that they could be. Number two is simply don't give up. Um, it's very easy. It has been very easy for me to think about quitting and giving up. Uh, it applies to everybody in any, in any realm of life, of course. Don't give up. Number three is to lean on family, friends, faith, counselors, teachers, you know, siblings, parents, because I see too many young kids that when they're struggling, they keep things inside. And uh, I have really uh, discussed this with a lot of kids. When you see someone walking down the hall, you know, reach out to them. If you know they're bubbly and happy and they're not today, talk to them uh, because it's just a tough world out there for so many kids, especially with all the social media, which is both a blessing and a curse, that they have an opportunity to really help somebody. And I say this because I, I withdrew from everybody uh, for a long, long time. The fourth thing is, is to be careful, make good choices. You know, that applies not only to someone riding a golf cart, but whether you're going to college or whether you're in high school, whether you're junior high or elementary, make good choices. Uh, be smart because the thing I always address, too, is simply to understand that it can happen to you. We all think it, this would never happen to me. Well, there's no way that something could happen to my little Luke who loves sports so much. Well, it did. And and so uh, it's important that, that at any age we, t- we take care of ourselves, we make good choices. And the fifth and the most important is, is to have faith. My faith has been tested every second of every day for over 22 months. And um, But I do know this, that my wife and I, my children, would not be able to survive without our faith. And I do feel that I have a responsibility to share that with others. When things are going really tough, when things are going bad, I want people to go to Facebook or Twitter or to Instagram and understand that look at this little boy who's, in a lot of ways, his life was taken away from him. But look how hard he's still fighting. And if he can fight, so can you. Those are great lessons, Tim. I mean, (laughs) holy cow. And I know my son had the opportunity to hear you speak at the Blue-Gray tournament earlier this year in Alabama. And I think that may have been the first time that I saw your shirts uh, on the players. And what are your plans in terms of continuing this um, speaking tour that you've been on and, and, you know, what, what feedback are you getting from the college kids? Because, you know, that's a, a weird age for them to be faced with someone who is going through what your family is going through. You know, at, at 18, 19, 20, these kids think they're invincible. And you're shining a light on the fact that, no, in fact, you are not invincible. And I'm just wondering how they respond to you. You know, I've really been amazed when I've had uh, the teams that have come to play us, I say us, the men's or the women's teams at Texas Tech, every time we have a, a team come, they've either reached out to me to visit here or I've gone to the courts to reach out to them. And and I, to see these macho 20-year-old superstar tennis players 
with tears in their eyes um, is something to see. And I've had messages from a lot of tennis players individually and then as teams and, and what their coaches have told me that they have seen that this has impacted them in a way they never would have expected. And certainly some of these personalities uh, on the teams have shocked the coaches where they have really, you know, they've worn their, their wristband. They wear their team Luke shirts so many times in one week even. And it, it is, it, it, it's, I don't know how to describe it, um, but if it means that they appreciate life more, if it means that they pray more, if it means that they're a better person, then I'm so grateful for that. Um, and, and where I'm going to go from here, my, my goal is to reach out to every college team in every division um, and see what, what if they have any interest in, in wearing it. And maybe one day, maybe on the third of each month, um, you know, they wear their shirt because that's Luke's lucky number three. Who knows? But the ITA has been incredible with, with the video that they put together. Uh, was just amazing. And, you know, th- that video has been seen by 60,000. It's been 60,000 views I saw. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've reached out to ESPN. Uh, Fox will be showing this documentary. Um, I have too many contacts in the tennis world. I've spoken to, you know, Brad Gilbert, Justin Gimmelstaub, Patrick McEnroe, a, a lot of different um, tennis players um, that have reached out to us as well. And, and you know, this is, someone told me this um, last week, that if this had happened to them, no one would ever know and there would never be a foundation because they don't know anyone. Well, I've been in this community for 23 years. My wife is a nurse practitioner. Um, you know, we know everyone in this town, but because of my contacts professionally as an athlete, a uh, former athlete, and as someone who will reach out to anyone and everyone um, to either ask for money for the foundation or just simply to have a video, it can go a long way. When Drew Brees, you know, met with Luke and told Luke, Luke, I will throw you a ball one day. I'm holding on to that. Drew Brees is Luke's hero. And um, sometimes as coaches or even as, as kids, we put athletes on pedestals. But, but there's one athlete that should very well be on a pedestal because of what he's meant to the city of New Orleans, the community of Louisiana and, and the Saints organization. But he is such an incredible inspiration to us. And I told Drew that next to therapists, nurses, doctors, he's the most important person in Luke's life because I talked to Luke about Drew Brees and our New Orleans Saints every single day. And we went to a Saints game four or five years in a row. And we had planned to go see the, the Saints play the Lions on Monday Night Football uh, in 2015. That didn't happen. But I took Luke in a private plane and the rest of our family. And we flew to New Orleans October 30th to see the Saints play Seattle. And we met with the Saints, uh, went met some players and had uh, Drew Brees come over and visit with us and went to the, see the Saints play. And it was bittersweet because Luke loved to be a part of the Saints, loved watching the Saints play, and he slept through the entire game. But one day we'll go back, and I'll show him the video of, of that. And, uh, and I know full well he understands. We talk about everything New Orleans Saints, and I've already planned a trip October 15th. We'll be going to see the Detroit Lions. He always told me he wanted to see someone different. And so I have a friend of mine who loves the Lions, so we're going to go see them beat up on the Lions, and uh, Luke will get to see his hero again.
That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I know my listeners have to be curious about this, as am I. What is the prognosis for Luke long-term, and what do successes look like for you all day-to-day? I can tell you that the prognosis was not as good as it is today, um, which means we had no good prognosis whatsoever. The doctor told me that Luke's brain is globally damaged. Um, Luke was responsive at the scene, and somehow, some way, he lost oxygen. And so there are a lot of um, unanswered questions for a lot of us. The bottom line is, is that I don't pay attention anymore to what any prognosis is because we've surpassed the prognosis. And so for me, it is to coach him up, to work with him as much as possible, and to, to develop some form of communication. We're working on eye-gazing. We hope to go back to Fort Worth and, and, and uh, do some things. But we really don't know, and there's no question that that's the, the hardest thing for me. If someone told me in, uh, in a magic crystal ball that in five years Luke would be able to do this, I could handle five years of agony. We don't know from one minute to the next, one day to the next, one year to the next, what what this means. Um, and even saying this to you, my stomach hurts to even say it. Um, but I have all the faith in the world that Luke will continue to make, whether they're baby steps or whatever steps they are, uh, that he's going to continue to make progress. Um, it's It's hard to be in the sports world when... Everything, when there's an injury, you know from a doctor, six weeks, eight weeks, four weeks, 12 weeks, six months, you know that in this amount of time, there will be improvement. In Luke's case, we don't know that. And that's incredibly hard, especially hearing from neurologists and neurosurgeons that can simply give me no definitive answer. And um, and so I, I live with that now. I deal with that the best that I can. And every single day is the same. You know what's crazy about this is that I've spent... 20, nearly 23 months doing the same thing every single day. The months have flown by somehow, but the days take forever because the days are the same. And every day we know I've got therapy at this time and then tomorrow the therapy is at this time with a different different therapist. And this is what I do. And, um, and I'm sure I'll be doing therapy for the rest of Luke's life with him. And, um, you know, I'm just hopeful that... Uh, one day when I wake up, uh, there will be a different sort of communication rather than just a sound. Well, we're all hoping and praying for that for you all, Tim, for sure. Let's talk about your foundation for a minute because we're, we're down to about our last 15 minutes, and I want to make sure we talk about the work that you're doing through the foundation. Can you share with us what the goal is of the foundation, um, both from a fundraising standpoint and an outreach standpoint, and what steps you have accomplished to date toward those goals? Well, first, we've had a couple of events, one in L.A., one in New Orleans. Um, there was a car dealership in town, the Gavit Nissan, that did a birthday buck for Team Luke where we raised almost $6,000 on just people giving a buck. Um, they also gave us a, a percentage of new cars that they sold. Um, yes, just, just a few days ago, we had coaches at Cantina, Cantina Laredo here in Lubbock Restaurant. Um, we had 150 guests 
come and we had Josh Abbott uh, come and sing. We had all the tech coaches wearing Team Luke aprons and we had a tremendous event where we raised over $100,000. So my goal initially uh, when I started this in late January was to raise one, excuse me, was to raise half a million dollars the first year. And I'm going to make darn sure that that happens. So, you know, really to answer your question, this is new to me. I've never been a president of a foundation. And so I have a board that, that consists of 15 members. We've had two board meetings. The next board meeting in June, we will then discuss, okay, we're going to have X amount of dollars. It's now time to reach out and see how we go about uh, giving to patients. I have a tremendous relationship with Cook Children's. I can't say enough about that hospital in Fort Worth. Absolutely amazing people. And I had a meeting uh, a couple weeks ago, and we hope to form a partnership where I can use patients that they have and help them because those patients are from Texas or from, you know, even West Texas, and then also do the same here in Lubbock because, you know, initially we want this to be in the area, but, but ultimately it could be nationwide. But I want to be able to help anyone emotionally and financially. Emotionally is a part that I never had. I never had a father say to me, listen, this is what you could, have, could expect. Um, and there are a number of ways that I can help. Number one is emotionally. Number two, when you talk about financially, you're talking about a lot of different things, whether it's equipment, whether it's things like diapers or um, uh, feed, uh, whether it's suggestions on therapy. Uh, there's a lot of different ways I can help. Um, I know this. Nobody is going to have an injury or an MRI as bad as my son's. So whoever has a traumatic or anoxic brain injury, I can be able to tell them, listen, look what Luke has done. And I imagine that most people, when this happens to a child and they have other siblings, one of two things happens. They give up or they neglect their healthy children. And I've made sure that that doesn't happen, either one of them. And uh, it's easy to say, well, I'm not sure if he's going to get much better. I, I don't go with that. I, I go with the fact that if I keep pushing him, as I would a, you know, a tennis player in a way, that I'm going to get better results. Um, I've always been someone who coaches and demands discipline and demands toughness and, and, and simply doesn't put up with excuses, uh, certainly more old school. I was tough on my players, but I also try to teach them more about tennis, more, you know, teach them about life and teach them about being on time and respecting people and those kinds of things. And so that part of my life is still what I'm doing today. And, um, you know, I, I feel like this foundation, there's not many of them out there. Um, that this is, you know, certainly research is important, but mine is more about helping families when I can pick up the phone and call up someone and say, here's your wheelchair or here is your, um, you know, who knows what, um, and to see the look on someone's face, but also to tell them, hey, listen, it's going to get better. Um, and, and I think that's why just discussing this with someone emotionally, I think I can probably help people every bit as much as I can financially because I've learned a lot in the financial world of, of insurance and how things want to be cut back, whether it's in hospital, excuse me, with nursing hours or therapists or whatever it is. And, uh, but I do look forward to building this. And I know that it, it, it can get bigger by just 
word of mouth, but it's going to get much bigger by my going out there and speaking. And I hope to get on the Speakers Bureau very soon and, and to get this word out and awareness about injuries, awareness about love and support and, and overcoming, and then awareness about golf cart safety. I feel like I have uh, a few different levels of, of where I can help people when I speak. Sure, sure. So for my listeners, if they want to get more information on your foundation and or want to contribute to the foundation or participate in a fundraiser, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, our, fun, our foundation uh, is www.teamlukefoundation. So Team Luke Foundation, and you can read about the story. There are pictures. Uh, we have a Hall of Fame that we just added, so all the famous people that Luke has either been in contact with or that have reached out to us, both on videos and, and uh, pictures, news events that have taken place, um, our mission statement, our team, uh, upcoming events, and ways that they can contribute. And, of course, the Team Luke store, where we have things that people can purchase online and, and we ship them to them. Um, that's the Team Luke Foundation. We love for people to follow us on Facebook at Pray for Luke Siegel, and that's S-I-E-G-E-L, Pray for Luke Siegel. And uh, on Twitter, uh, Tim Siegel, T-T-U, and then Instagram, which is uh, Luke.Siegel. Those are ways to follow us. I think when parents can have children follow us and really watch what hard work and determination and never giving up is, then I think parents of tennis players or any athletes uh, can learn a lot more about their own child, um, what kind of compassion they have, what kind of, you know, just heart that they have, but also when they struggle, I don't know if I can practice mom today, I'm struggling. Oh, really? I think Luke Siegel would love to practice. So I think that there's a lot of different ways that that, uh, Luke can impact people and impact parents. Um, And and for all of your listeners, you know, what you have, Lisa, is tremendous because certainly this was not here when when I was growing up. And um, I think parents in every sport can learn a lot more about parenting athletes and and letting the athletes do more on their own to see how much discipline and how much work that they have on their own because eventually you're going to learn about that when parents over coach or or spend too much time talking to them about their sport then i think that they're missing missing the boat yeah, I agree with you, and um, I, I think that's a great lesson to for all of us to hear uh, repeatedly. You know, some of us need reminding of that on a regular basis. But um, I, I want to just let my listeners know that links to all of the social media, to the website, all of that will be included in the show notes. So if you want to get involved in the foundation or want to just follow Luke's story on social media, those links will be in the show notes, so check those out. Tim, I am just blown away with what you and your family are doing. And, I, you know, again, I, I watch your videos every time you post a new one. And Luke is such an incredible fighter, and I think that has everything to do with the values that you and Jenny have instilled in him and, and all of your children. And I just want to say that, you know, you're in our thoughts and prayers on a daily basis. And um, 
I just wish all the best to Luke and to the rest of your family as y'all continue to navigate your way through this horrific, horrific set of circumstances that you've managed to turn into something positive for the rest of us. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. It's, it's, uh, you know, every day is difficult. I just keep going back to one foot in front of the other, and I hope one day to write a book and um, and share this with others because so many more people are experiencing difficult times and people understand and realize, and there are a lot of people that are hurting, and whatever the hurt is, uh, you can overcome it. And uh, I say this sounding like I'm strong, but I struggle every single day, I can assure you. Well, I, I'm sure it's a tough road to hoe, and, um, you know, thankfully you have an incredible family around you and an incredible community around you, both, uh, you know, just in your hometown, but also in the world of sports. And I, it's just mind-boggling to me how far-reaching Luke's story is and how many people y'all are touching. So keep up the great work and please let me know what we at Parenting Aces can do to further your cause. I'm looking forward to getting my Team Luke t-shirt, and I will be proudly wearing it during the NCAAs in Athens over the next couple weeks. So, um, And I I expect I'll see a lot of Team Luke t-shirts out at the NCAAs. I think you will. That's one of the things I'll make sure happens uh, in the next couple of weeks, absolutely. Perfect, perfect. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, Luke's story, with all of us. And please give Jenny and your girls all the best and a big hug to Luke. And I will look forward to crossing paths with you again very soon. Thank you so much. To my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Parenting Aces. Tennisballs.com is your one-stop shop for all the latest tennis news, stories, and photos from around the world. Their talented writers share insights from the Pro Tour, the latest tennis technology, and behind-the-scenes looks at your favorite tennis tournaments and events. Check out Tennisballs.com. That's 10sballs.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents... By a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at parentingaces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, tennisballs.com.